Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com everyone thanks for listening to the western hunting up podcast this episode is all about another off-season opportunity for a sportsman traveling to other places to do some fishing can be a pretty daunting task and we are out of our element so brought on captain zach rollins from along the keel to help us get the experience uh, that we're looking for in a fishing charter after this episode i went and then and booked a fishing charter for myself and it definitely equipped me with some info and skills that I needed to chat with those uh, fishing charters. And it really kind of helped. And um, it's another opportunity. I know a lot of us in the West will go out and do some of these or East as well. We'll go out and do some of these other opportunities. And, and even uh, on the bucket list is going to do just a fishing charter or not a charter, but going to do some fishing in Alaska as a grocery shopping trip on top of the amount of fun. I've got buddies that go and do that and bring back hundreds of pounds of fish and uh, probably more expensive to ship that fish back than to uh, um, uh, than the trip itself. But uh, I'm looking forward to doing that sometime soon. Uh, but otherwise, this is a little off uh, off the cuff of, of what I've been covering, and, but I think it's I think it's good stuff. So please give it a listen. Not hunting, but we're kind of ma- out of the main hunting season, so I want to get us rolling into some other things that gets us out outside in the field or out on the water. Thanks for listening. All right, Zach, thanks for jumping on the Western Hunting Up podcast. Uh, had an episode previously, just a little out of the box to, uh, discuss more fishing related things i know this is western hunting hub and every once in a while i like to throw in some fishing related topics uh zach rollins got me connected with waypoint tv and uh that's where we've been hosting the podcast but also uh connected with a lot of uh some of the really great guests we've had on over the time so um i'd have to think back i mean it's just weird connections how they work but there's a long list of folks that uh, I've been chatting with that Zach is responsible for getting me those people. So thanks for that. But also thanks for joining me this morning. And yeah. uh, if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Zach Rollins. I am a captain here in, uh, in Rhode Island and have spent most of my life working on or around the water. Um, I also have a couple businesses outside of the waterfront. But for the most part, my uh, my life has always been revolving around the ocean whether it be living and growing up here in Rhode Island to 
on the coast of Florida, coast of Hawaii, coast of California. Um, it's always been a theme in my life. And if you walk around my house, most of the, most of the artwork is all ocean related and having it been Christmas yesterday, uh, my, my dad actually got me a big chart of Narragansett Bay to hang up on the wall. So it's kind of uh, cool. fortuitous to have this conversation, you know, cause it's just always been a big part of my life. And I love being able to share it with, um, people that have any interest in the ocean. I can go down a wormhole if we want. Oh, absolutely. Uh, where in yeah. Rhode Island are you? Yeah, so I grew up in a little village called Wickford, Rhode Island, which is a part of North Kingstown. But Rhode Island's only, I mean, it's not a very, very big state. I think it, it would take you 45 minutes on a good day to go from north to south and about the same east to west. So it's a pretty small, small state to grow up in and an unbelievable spot. Did you say Wickford? Wickford. Yep. Oh, man, I was there. Yeah, right. Shut up. Yeah, I was there. We were in Wickford and um you were in Wickford, Rhode Island? Yeah. When? Yeah. That was like 2 years ago. What? Uh, I know. I know we I didn't connect the dots in any of this. Um my wife and you I had like 5 minutes from where I lived. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And this is kind of where this is roughly started. I had I I think I had mentioned something um, because I had a crappy fishing experience. It just was garbage. I didn't like it. And I'm pretty sure. Out of of Wickford? um, We went down south of there to. Oh, you know, uh, I think I I feel like I might we might have connected on this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But it was but it was after the fact. Correct. So, and then I gave you recommendations for the next time to go, yeah. right? Yeah. Big game. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now this conversation's coming back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that this was such a off the wall thing. We had a uh plane ticket vouchers to go somewhere that were gonna expire because they it was a COVID flight thing. We're like, oh, I gotta use yeah. them because we had to cancel some flight earlier to go to the wrestling NCWA ncaa national championship that was what the goal was to go to that in minneapolis but that got canceled so i was like well uh two years later we could use these things and i just literally packed picked on a map of this random little airliner where to go and like how about (laughs) rhode island (laughs) here we go brought some friends and we had a riot we had an absolute riot we had fun just an adult trip the food was amazing outstanding where did you guys go to eat Oh, there, there was a little place in, um, and in Wickford. Oh gosh, the Wickford on the water. Yeah, we were all over kind of some different spots in there. I'll have to get back to where we had, but my wife and I are. <laughs> I have to think about that of exactly where we're eating, but any anywhere we ate the that's the first time I had oysters and. Oh, shut was, up. Really? Yeah. Blown away by the, yeah. I mean, just quality oysters, yep. quality food. Um, and the, I mean, we had, we caught sea bass and some striper. The striper was good, but, um, <clears throat> sea bass is great. That's, it, it feels oh, like yeah. it's the, the walleye of that area. I mean, you go catch some good fish. Walleye is great eating, purchase great eating. Sea bass is great eating. Dude. Go catch a bunch and, and, uh, um oh that's an awesome print there you go cool little print right <laughs> um 
Yeah, I, I was in uh, I was in Boston, I don't know, a couple of days ago with my girlfriend going up because she's a photographer. So I was helping her out with a, a proposal shoot. Hmm. And there was this lady on the side of the, like, I can't remember, I think we're on Boylston. And she has these book prints of like old uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, like all sorts of different books. And this was this print was from like 1895, like turn of the century. So it's all chromiographs and what basically was kind of like a lithograph, but then they go in and they hand color everything. So it's kind of like hand done artwork, but not really. Hmm. But anyway, that, that to say that that's a black sea bass. So, there you um, go. sweet. Yeah. They are unbelievable eating fish. And I think my favorite way to do them is either fillet them or you can just cook the whole thing. Got them and just yeah. freaking put them on the yeah. grill. Unbelievable. Well, and and to catch my audience up on what we're looking at today is um, I get a lot of chat around my, the office and around other hunters about this time of year thinking about, oh, let's go to Alaska and catch some fish, bring and just as a fish, as a shopping trip. Um, hunters in the West here need to diversify our, our freezer and salmon and sea bass and mahi mahi are all species that absolutely delicious and we would love to fill our freezers with that sort of thing too so we're um trying to get out of uh go go have another cool experience but all of that stuff is is uh very much related to what we do here in the west we're, we're out mm -hmm. grocery shopping looking for some good food and it's a world we don't know much about so um, that's what that was the goal today is just kind of figure out some things of of that world and how we can have a great experience, have some fun, have some adventure, because um, I, I don't feel like what I've gone on is quite an adventure <laughs> is a <laughs> is a is the experience. I feel like I was paying for fish, not paying for an experience. Yeah. And uh, that that's kind of what it was like. But um, also, we, we didn't have you say what you do, which what's uh what's your, your podcast and what's your day-to-day -day look like? Yeah. So, um, I have, I have a podcast and company called along the keel and basically it's myself. And then recently brought on a partner to help do a lot of the media production. So any like the fancy photography, videography that people see on Instagram, that's all our, my, my partner and friend, good friend, Tyler. And he came on um, uh, probably a couple of years ago now, just helping out with more of the media side side of things. And then the majority of the business is actually marine service. So we do uh, vessel deliveries, vessel charters, as well as occasional fishing and um, a lot of vessel and education. So that's that's kind of the day to day during the summertime. And I also have a, a home service business that I run year round. So I stay I stay pretty busy, but come spring summer and fall i spend the vast majority of my time on the water i couldn't even tell you how many nautical miles i logged this year but it's got to be well above like close to you know a couple thousand i would say hmm. on the water what uh, uh what's your target your favorite target species if you could go out today and it's peak season for anything let's just say what's your what's Ooh. your favorite what are you going after hmm Am I going for fun or am I going for food? Uh, both answers. Okay. If I'm going for food, it's tatag, which um, a lot of people call blackfish, which not to be confused with the black sea bass. Tatag is just an unbelievable creature. 
they're just super they kind of look like uh i don't know like a a black sea bass with human teeth instead of scales they have skin i mean they do have scales but it's the scales are so small that it looks like a just like an armor of just a plate of armor on them and the reason why is because they live in all the rocks and crevices of narragansett bay and surrounding areas here in the northeast But Rhode Island has such a dense population of them that during the fall run, or not run, but during the fall season, people from all around the Northeast, from New Jersey to New Hampshire, come to Rhode Island to specifically target the Tatag. And it's actually sparked a lot of controversy in, in, in recent years because of that, because it's actually taking some money away from local charter fishermen. But the Tatag, from a cooking standpoint, is unbelievable species to eat, just It's like the steak of the sea. Some people say it's like, uh, it kind of tastes like lobster, but it has a really dense meat to it and they get old. Um, there was actually a friend of mine who is literally the dock across. He got so close to breaking the record this year. I think he caught, I think it was like 19.4 pounds, which for a tatag is a big, is a big fish. And they clocked the, they dated the fish at like around 40 years old. Wow. So they get really old um, for, for a fish species and they're just cool looking. They got these big human like teeth. They almost look like they're like out of a toddler. Um, and they're just, they're just cool creatures. I always describe if, if Rhode Island had a, a, uh, like a, a state bird, state fish, it would be, and should be the Tatag. And I actually have a, uh, I got, I told you, I got a lot of artwork hanging around the house full yeah. of, That's the Tatag right there. Oh, sure. So that was done by a guy by the name of uh, Dylan Stewart. He has a company called Full Coast Burns. And he burned that in, colored it, and then kind of CNC'd it out of like some plywood. But yeah, if I were to go eat, that would be the fish. And if I were to go catch, um, I mean, the false albacores are so much fun to catch. Just going albie fishing come the fall. But I mean, people go, you know, some guys like striper fishing. I personally, I love fishing the fall. So Albies and Tog are probably going to be my two, my top two. Sure. Uh, what, uh, any hunting experience? Just because we're talking to a bunch of hunters. Any, you, you've been anywhere, done anything? Very, very, very little hunting. Yeah. Most of my time is spent on the water. I've gotten, um, my buddies have tried to convince me to get a bow. And I've almost pulled the trigger, pun intended, several times. Mm -hmm. But I just haven't had the time, honestly, to like go and practice the bow, which yeah. is probably an excuse because, you know, if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. But uh, I do a lot of skeet shooting. So that's kind of been my, if it's not hunting per se, but yeah, I, no, I shooting sports. Of, hey, yeah, I do a lot of skeet shooting. It, you are contributing to Pittman Robertson dollars heavily doing that. You're yeah. contributing to Dingle Johnson dollars by buying the fishing equipment. You yeah. are supporting the world. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. Pittman Robertson, <laughs> it, it, like Madison Stevens, I think that the the way the world is built in, in how we conserve um, is done with such purpose. And yet not a lot of people understand where and why and how their money goes to help it. So then you have this just massive controversy around it. And it's really just lack of education. Right. Absolutely. Um, so we had uh, mentioned, and I 
mentioned in the podcast here before that I'm headed to Hawaii and I'm I'm looking for a pretty solid experience. This this whole trip's just a uh deal that my brother's getting married. He wants he even said he's like, I need you from at four thirty on Friday for the evening. Otherwise you do whatever you want to do. Go play. <laughs> yeah, go play, have fun. This is your vacation, but be around at four thirty. We're good to go. Um so we've we've had a whole lineup of of some fun things and and mm-hmm. as i as a hunter um and not someone who likes a disney vacation i have zero desire and absolute almost a hatred for disney vacations it's the last thing i want to do um yep. have you ever had anybody try and sell you like a timeshare or something like that and they're trying to tell you <clears throat> where you could just go and sit and do all these things like i want a moose hunt i want to go catch halibut halibut i want to catch yep I want to go catch some fish. That's you don't even have that option of what I want to do on your list. That's not the thing. Nope. It's not even, not even in that area. Not yeah. even in that area. Yeah. And so I wouldn't give you a hundred dollars to to be I, able to. You're talking to the wrong guy for this vacation. Yep. So preach to the choir. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and so many of these places. I mean, they're tourist locations. Uh, they're they're meant to to pump the tourists in and out. Hawaii, you know, Rhode Island and South Dakota has that with their our pheasant hunting, even. Yep. Um, to pump people in and out, be a number, be a you caught your fish, out the door you go. And to try and find somebody with the passion of it to to want to just help you get an experience and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also maybe make you work for it a little bit. I don't know how to mm-hmm. I don't know how to find such a person, a captain. And I right now I'm not gonna be able to be picky. I'm going to have to settle, I'm sure, because um, with the with the boats burning up in, in Maui, there's not a lot of choice. Um, right. So going and if we this was a full on just fishing trip, I probably would be going to the big island to be focusing on some charge because that's where I guess a lot of the chapter charters are going is yeah. head on their the captains and the mates and everything are headed over that way to do some work. Uh because they don't have boats on the on right. Maui, so. But, um, what? Give me some advice. Like, what? Just start there. I don't know what to do. Like, how do how do we? As you're scrolling through and you find, I got one pulled up right here. I got a forty three foot rascal. I, uh, we're what are, at, what's the what's the company called? Oh, uh, Hawaii. Uh, so, uh, this website, Hawaii Deep Sea Fishing is what i found and not finding a lot for because i'm needing to go out of a certain uh port or um i don't even know if i'm using the right language but having to go out of a certain bay to uh where they still are running boats Mm -hmm. but there's so many on there and you just don't i don't have a clue on where to start what's what makes someone uh, worthwhile so and I'll, I'll start by kind of discussing what my my uh rhode island situation was as we got we i literally picked one this is stupid i don't know why i didn't i didn't connect the dots and contacting <laughs> you it was stupid uh, my boat. come on man. Uh, i know that would have been so awesome um but the uh we literally just picked one and they were all about let's make sure they get their fish. I told them I was like, I want to take some meat home. That's what I want to do. Let's go catch some fish. So that was the goal. And, and yeah, they, and they kind of catered to that of we're gonna get mm-hmm. you fish. But 
I'm pretty positive we did something illegal, which I don't like. Uh, like What's go that? go keep fish outside of a certain area, oh, outside of the boundary. Yeah. yeah. Um, stripers. Yep. Uh, yeah. and then I'm, I I seem like that probably was happening, like frequently. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Right. Which is which I'm not about. I, I'm I work for a state agency. I'm supportive state agent. I'm supportive of regulations. They're there for a reason. Um, and, but I'm relying on a captain. I don't have a clue what's going on. Right. Uh, I just kind of picked that up as things are going on. Like, it doesn't sound like we did the, the, the best there or, yeah, right. um, I'm not positive on where we were with sea bass and it was, I, you're relying on the, the first mate there to, to be, he's handling stuff. And right. so we might've even gone over on that. So I, I don't like that um at all and that's an extreme situation but it was also just a um heavy heavy tackle for these smaller fish like, yeah can we do top water you, you had mentioned something about top water for blues all oh, the the blues in a certain area were just couldn't keep the line in the water it's like mm-hmm. can, can we throw some jigs out there or do something to to try and catch these fish on lighter tackle yep. like there was no way to break off these lines you were set up for marlin and we're catching well, 20 pounds harvesting is what they're set up for true true yeah, yeah. and a combine method <laughs> yeah yeah and it just yeah i can feel a little tug in the end of this thing and it just was not an experience it was it was so focused on um let me just get these people their fish and let's get back in shore yeah so it, it was a it was a struggle but yeah and, and maybe i don't even know what i'm looking for Maybe that's that's my problem. I don't know what I'm that's looking fair. for in in uh, um, an experience because it's so far out of my world. And and when I take new hunters out, they tell me the same thing. It's like I don't even know what to expect. I don't I don't have right. a clue. I'm relying on you as my guide or my captain to teach me to show me what you're doing on an everyday basis. And yeah. I'm gonna be the white guy in Hawaii that that uh, alley um, boy. Yeah, that uh, is is your typical tourist. Um, so I, I will be a number, but mm-hmm. how, how can you how can you relate with people a little bit more? How can you connect with them in a way that that they're out having a good time too, and not just being sure. another other thing? So whatever you got for me, I'll I'm here to listen. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a hard. That's a tough. That's a tough uh, question, you know, because is so much of it is really built on the were predicated on the, on the captain themselves, right? It's how they, and, and it could be the captain and it could be conditions. You know, we talked earlier about what kind of conditions are dictating what kind of fish you can get. So, and, and what kind of experience you can have, you know, like I've been, and I still go on charters, like, cause I just areas I don't know or species that I want to learn a little bit more on like how to catch them. Uh, but I think it really all boils down to uh, the captain right? I mean, plain and simple. If you're able to go on and see that a guy has, you know, a boat that looks like it's halfway decent, you know, some people are a little bit more into the head boats, right? And, you know, you're familiar with the head boat? No. That term? No. So a head boat is basically a, a big old, you know, they're, they're, they're usually custom built or re- retrofitted vessels that are holding, I don't know, uh, let's let's just use it up to 100 guys you know and sometimes even more and a lot of the a lot of times it's just 
people that bring their own rods or they supply a rod for you and you're just going to the grounds and you're just catching fish all day and then you're coming back. But everything's taken care of, like bait, fillets, everything. Like that is a trip that you're going on to either get pissed drunk with your buddies or you're going to go catch a bunch of fish just to fill the freezer. Like that's, that's the goal, right? Whereas a more custom charter, like the one that you went on is a little bit more along the lines of, Hey, how do I, how do I get more of an experience? Right. And to what you're asking is more like, how do I pick the best candidate to potentially get that experience? And it's, it is, it's a tough, that's a tough thing. Right. So I think looking at the boat, right. Is it a, is it a boat that isn't, you know, well taken care of, you know, and how do you tell that? Right. Well, go online and read a lot of the reviews. Right. I mean, and I think that's kind of what I usually do when I'm going and looking for charters. My buddy, Tristan, who has a, uh, I think it's a 36 CV might be a little smaller. might be like a 32 CV unbelievable captain catches a ton of fish. If you want to go tuna fishing, go tuna fish. You want to go to tog fishing, you go to tog, you know, to tog fishing. Um, but what he's really good at, he's an entertainer, right? And I think that's kind of the key to being a good captain is that vessel safety, right? Entertainment and then fish. And usually fishing and entertainment are kind of co-mingling, right? Because if you're able to get on the fish, but like you said, is you're not entertaining, right? You're not going and making it a little bit challenging. You're not using top water. You're not using a lighter tackle and you're just going in there to just do a you know, grab your, your, your quota for the day, which is how a lot of guys operate. Um, that can be kind of boring, you know, but a lot of times the, this lighter tackle, you kind of have to think about it from their perspective as well. It becomes more challenging to bring people out in mass quantities because these guys aren't, they're doing maybe one to two charters a day, half days, full days, and they're doing that six, seven days a week. Right. So if your goal is to go out and go fishing, well, they want to make sure that you're catching fish because most of the time people are going with the intention of, I want to bring something home right now for someone like me who, or someone like you, who's an outdoorsman, right. Who's like, yeah, fish, fish would be great. Right. But I'm more, more interested in the experience, right? Like if I didn't come home with fish, but I had an awesome time catching, you know, fish that maybe didn't quite fit the quota, right? Whether it be the number of fish I caught or whatnot, then so be it. I don't really care. Like I can go fishing at home, but for the majority of people, like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity or once in a year opportunity for them to go and catch fresh fish off the coast of Rhode Island. Right. Um, So I really think boiling it down is, I mean, call up the captain, be like, what kind of tackle do you use? ask tough questions, be more in tune and inquisitive, right? Like do a little bit of research before you start calling up captains in in that area, right? Like if I'm going out of the keys, what are the tarpon doing, right? What are they, where are they running? What kind of bait are they going after? What kind of gear should I be using? So when you go to that captain and he starts asking and you start asking questions and, you know, let's use the example of up here in Rhode Island, you, you brought up bluefish, right? Well, is the guy just trolling big umbrella rigs off the off the stern of the boat? Well, if that's how he fishes, you're going to know that you're going to catch like two to three bluefish on the troll or maybe, you know, maybe one or maybe none. But it's going to be like, roll, you know, reeling in a bunch of dead weight. It's not going to be fun, 
right? That's exactly or, what we did. <laughs> there you go. See, how did I know that? Um, or if you're someone that is like, no, like what we do is we go, we go hunt down birds. We look for, you know, big boils on the surface. We're throwing top water plugs on light tackle. And then, you know, like, okay, cha-ching, we might not get as many fish as the guy with the umbrella rig, but it's going to be way more fun, way more exciting. Cause I can tell you like fall run doing that. I brought guys up from Virginia, a bunch of buddies of mine. They were like, we, we got to catch Northeast striper. I'm like, all right, well, no promises. So what we did, we went out in the morning, we did some tatag fishing. Right. And this is another thing too. It's like, do you fish for multiple species during the day? And, and, what time of year should we go? Right. So if you're prepping for a trip and let's say you do one trip a year, if you're prepping for a trip and you're like, all right, I want to go tuna fishing. Well, there's different seasons for tuna, right? You can go earlier in the year or like in the fall. Right. But if the tuna aren't biting that day, well, can we go to dog fishing? Can we go striper fishing? Can we go black sea bass? Like, can we mix it up? You know, there's a reason why it's called a new England grand slam. Right. I mean, you got some awesome species in a really consolidated area here in, in Rhode Island in particular, but throughout New England, and it makes for a really good, a really great fishery, right? But it also makes it to be really exciting too. So if you're going with a captain who's just like, we're going striper fishing, we're trolling umbrella rigs, and that's what we're doing. Cool. You're gonna you're probably gonna bring home fish. Yeah. Is it gonna be exciting? No, it's gonna be boring yeah. as hell. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do that. I, I would, I just, I get bored. Right. Yeah. If you're like, Hey, when's the best time for me to come fall. Okay, cool. Can we go to tog? Uh, can we do some bottom fishing top water and maybe look for Albies? He's like, sure. It's going to be this time window. Right. And you ask him, right. What kind of tackle are you using? What kind of boat do you have? Is it a big, you know, 40 foot, you know, down East boat? Well, you're not going to run and gun in that boat, right? Is it a 28 foot contender? Dude, you're running and gunning all day long, right? Like my buddy Tristan, he he runs and guns uh, with Ohana charters, looking for birds, doing bottom fishing, stripers, like he does everything. That's the kind of guy that you want to go. But you kind of have to interview people to figure out who they are as a person, right? Mm. And then what type of style of fishing, right? Is a little bit more dynamic or is it more slow and low energy type fishing yeah yeah old cranky boat captain that <laughs> you can't have a conversation with yeah <laughs> you, you'd rather have a guy that is salt of the earth than salty if you know what i mean uh-huh for sure you know what i mean absolutely um and, and people may be confused as to why i brought you on when i'm talking about hawaii and you're in rhode island uh, yeah. what's your, what's your history with, with Hawaii? What'd you do over there? Yeah. So I, uh, I graduated college, went to university of Rhode Island for Marine affairs. And then, uh, uh the story goes as a buddy of mine, and actually he's back. He still lives in Hawaii. Um, he was like, dude, I want to move somewhere. I go, okay, where are you going to go? He goes, Arizona. I go, well, I'm not going to Arizona. That sounds hot and arid and dry. Yeah. Not interested. Um, and the next day he calls me up. He's like, well, what about Kona, Hawaii? I go, yep. Count me in. I'm, I'm good. I can get a job there pretty easily. And so anyway, we show up and I went and got a six pack of beer from the local 
package store, which that's a very Rhode Island thing of me to say, because other states you can buy liquor and beer wherever, but in Rhode Island, you have to buy it from the store, um, the liquor store. So went to the grocery store, grabbed a six pack of local beer, put it on the desk of the Marine Service Center that was there, which is the only one in, in Kona, Hawaii. And I was like, hey, who needs a who needs help around here? And I got hooked up with Captain Bill, who you spoke with. Mm -hmm. And Captain Bill um, was gracious enough to take a little bit of a bet on this, you know, kid from Rhode Island. And I, at the time, had my my captain's license. I'd been running boats for a little while. And we started doing manta ray charters and fishing charters. And then after that, I moved on to another boat where I still moonlight for Bill, um, doing just snorkel trips, dive trips, uh, not so much fishing, but Captain Bill would always call me on here and there to do some fishing charters as well. And I just learned the learned the the coast of, of Kona in, in, uh, in the southern shore of the Big Island. And it was unbelievable experience. Um, wouldn't trade it for anything. I got to play with whales, dolphins, marlin, met people from all around the world, um, people of all different ethnicities, races, uh, economic statuses, you know, I would, the, the coolest part was, you know, no matter what you did that, that day, during that day, going on a charter, you had to be, you almost flipped like a switch, right? It's like, I'm Captain Zach now, right? I'm using quotes for those that are listening. And the goal was this person might've spent every penny, right? On their, for their life savings to go on this trip with me, Right. But then you might have a guy, like I met the guy who built the new San Diego Chargers Stadium, right? $250 million contract. So you have people like that who, this is like another fun thing. And then people that are like saving up every penny, but you treat those people the same, right? Because it's just, you want to provide such an incredible experience for them that, you know, they're thinking back, you know, two, three years down the road, like, man, was, wasn't that day with Captain Zach an awesome experience? Um, so, and I think you're able to find guys that want to provide that experience in, in, in with charter fishing. And then there's some guys that have just been doing it for so long that they're burnt out of it. And that's yeah. when you get the, you know, really salty dudes. Yeah. You see that nitty profession. Yeah. You are from teachers to guides to any of that. You can get burnt out and just not have your, be able to flip that switch on every day to say, right. Okay. Fresh start. And I'm in education and how I try to approach every single thing is whether um, it's been a long day and I got to start a class or whatever, then it's that, let me flip the switch. Like I have this person for an hour. I have this person for six hours on a hunt and I need to, um, I need to give them the best experience possible. This is that their exposure, even though I've been exposed to it my entire life. Right. This is, this window is their exposure. How can I, make that the best experience possible um, and, and do it in a way that's not a hand-holding kind of thing because mm -hmm. I'm introducing people to the the outdoors and they 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 want to get introduced well we're going to do a little hands and knees crawling we're going to do a little bit of um, getting wet and right do, doing some different things be a little uncomfortable it's going to be cold and uh, um, I would be it's hard to be cold in Hawaii, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was not. There's not a cold experience. I can tell no, you <laughs> no. Uh, and, and so that brings me to my next thing of um, 
a lot of those experiences are can they're doing it day in day out and they've got it down um how can what things can i say in a conversation to help be a part of the process what do um captains or folks that even just like you guys like yourself that not necessarily doing charters all the time or ever but you're you're um you're taking people out and how can i say i want to be a part of the process how can i um be yeah i don't obviously i'm not going to be a part of the decision making because i don't have a clue but Mm -hmm. how can you be a little closer to someone you're just going fishing with versus somebody that's being a tour guide Mm, yeah that's a good question um i think having enthusiasm for the trip because what a lot of times people will come on and they just they just kind of plop themselves on the boat and there's really two two types of people right there's people that want to plop themselves on the boat and just go for the ride and whatever they catch they catch whatever they it's like a laissez-faire right it's just kind of like this blah right of a client of a customer and that's not fun because then you feel like you're trying to like drag the the enthusiasm out for them right and at some point you're just like did you did you want to come fishing at all did you want to come on the trip at all like i don't i don't know what you mean what are you doing versus the people that are amped up right like when you when when someone's like birds birds and they're they're yelling it out at the top like because they're so excited to see that because they know like all right, captain said we had to look for birds. Let me participate and be a, a third eye, right? Let me let me be that you know second set of eyes out there that's participating in this experience, right? So I think being a participant is probably the best way to sum it up. But then there's also like the other end of the spectrum where you get these people that are like, well, I've I've done boating and stuff so let me let me chime in and let me help grab lines and whatnot it's like again what you're doing (laughs) you don't really know what you're doing because this guy or gal has been doing that like docking at that slip every single day for the last however many days the season started right so it's like pulling into your driveway do you need someone to help you open the door and whatnot no just let me let me do my thing right um, so know when to, know when to participate and then know when not to participate. Because if so, all of a sudden people are kind of getting in your way, that's very agitating. Like, don't do that. Right. Be sure. enthusiastic, be respectful, ask questions. You know, I'm, I'm probably guilty of this. I ask a lot, probably many too many questions. My girlfriend makes comments like, why are you asking all these questions? These people? Cause I want to know, I want to participate because that gets these people pumped up. Because then it shows like, wow, Zach actually gives a shit, right? Like this client gives a shit. And maybe ask questions on stuff that you already know, just to see what they would say. And then start start the conversation that way. So I think being enthusiastic, starting conversations, being, res- being respectful, and don't show up with, um, you know, not having the proper gear. Right. Like we're not saying bring your own rod and reel because honestly, they're going to have the stuff that they know that they use every day. It's way better than being the guy on the boat that has their own stuff. Right. And all of a sudden it gets a big bird nest wrapped around the reel and the captain can be like, well, it's your stuff. Like, I don't know. Right. Versus that guy has his own stuff. 
he, he used it every day. He knows what's tried and true. So it's really kind of like this balance of be enthusiastic, but don't be so overbearing that it almost becomes annoying, right? Yeah. That's how I would kind of sum it up, if that makes sense. Yeah, that comes down to a personality thing. My my family is pretty reserved. And so yeah. telling them to not, I mean, they're they're the type of people, they're going to enjoy the heck out of it but they may be mistaken for somebody that is plopping on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> They're enjoying the heck out of it. But um, that's okay too. Like, it, right. you know, it, it all depends on the charter too. Like if you're, because you're not going to, you don't sign up for a rock climbing trip expecting the guy to carry up to the mountain. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for like, I used to do uh, tours up in Providence on these big, you know, center console, uh, Carolina skiffs. And then they were extended. So they're 28 feet. And it was the people that were just enjoying it and asking a few questions. And like, you could see they're very inquisitive, but focused on what their surroundings are that, yeah, they just plop themselves on the boat, but they're enjoying it versus Mm -hmm. the guy that's asking you 10 trillion questions about stuff. That's like, yep. Okay. Come on. Like get with the program. We're we're doing the tour. Just listen to the tour, like be uh, participate, but don't over participate. You know what I mean? Your, your introvert versus extrovert personality right, right <laughs> you right, can pick right. those out and yeah, we're, totally. we're a bunch of we're a bunch of introverts but um we definitely can can feel that set or that line that i think we're pretty good at that of not being that annoying person on a tour or right a trip <laughs> that is uh not getting the social cues i think we're pretty right. good at understanding social cues Right, right. They having that, but we're also going to a whole, <laughs> a whole different culture. Um, I mean, they're yeah, part of the United States, but uh, mm. what about that? I mean, if you've, I'm sure you've been doing some fishing in different spots. When you, when you go down to, let's just, I don't, I don't know if you've been to the Bahamas and done some fishing down that way, but mm-hmm. um, when you go to the Bahamas or you go to Mexico or Hawaii and some of those, even Alaska, Alaska would be totally different for you from what you're doing. Um, what are you doing to, or recommend for, um, folks to, uh, approach that different culture? Yeah. Good. Great question. So funny little story when I was in, when I first moved to the big Island, um, that I will say the fact that if you have any experience on the water whatsoever, like, let's say you have a boat at home or you're, you know, like you said, you're a hunter, right? So you have, there's that immediate connection with that person. Right. It's like, okay, as a captain, I'm thinking, all right, Clint, Clint's pretty legit. Like he, he gets it. You know, he's a, he does some guiding. He's a hunter. He's an educator. Like I know I can treat Clint a lot differently than I can, you know, Martha Stewart, who's probably never been, you know, (laughs) hunting or fishing. Right. Um, So there's that. Right. But there is definitely a level of respect when you know that person has some sort of an idea of what they're doing. And the only way I can kind of sum it up is when I moved to Hawaii, it was really easy for me to make friends and acquaintances because there's like, oh, that dude has his captain's license. Uh, People watch me run a boat. They're like, okay, he knows what he's doing. Like he's not just some jack wagon behind the wheel, right? So there's immediate respect there. So it was a lot easier for me to integrate into the culture than it was, say, a friend of mine, Ryan, who I love, Ryan's an awesome friend of mine, but he was a white guy at the time, didn't really, wasn't really into the outdoors, 
not really a great swimmer and he'll laugh if, if he hears this right but it was a little bit more challenging for him to be a little bit more connected because he didn't have that that level playing ground of that baseline right so i think from a tourist perspective right because i think there's also that recognize that you are a tourist right you are a Yep. guest Yep. um one thing that i noticed right out of the gate was you know they say the whole howley you know united states but not really the us that is a very 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 real thing um i didn't recognize it until i was at the gym one day and someone said oh yeah next week i'm going back to america i go i'm like excuse me like yeah going back to you know the america the states i go No, I realized that. I thought we were in America. I go, yeah, but eh, not really. I go, okay, all right. Well, last I checked, you guys were a star on the flag, but apparently not. So that is a very real um, feeling over there, right? So just kind of have to be mindful of that when you're in a place like Hawaii. And the only place, you know, I'm I'm a white guy, right? But the only place that I've, I've actually felt some sort of racism was actually in Hawaii. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't necessarily directed in a negative way. It was directed in a way of like, oh, okay, let me, let me back up and think a little bit more about where I am in the world. And we're at the boat ramp and this guy comes up and he was kind of being an ass. Let's just put it that way. But he comes up to me um, and I just, I just said, Hey man, how was your charter? Right. And he was a Hawaiian guy. And he goes, ah, oh, my charter was great. You know, it was, I had to tell the stories of my people and my, you know, my marine life. And it was like, oh, okay. All right. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like, hold up here. So I go back and a crew member who'd been living on the island a lot longer than I had. He goes, what's up? I go, I don't know. That guy was like kind of being a dick. And uh, he goes, well, you just experienced some racism. I'm like, huh, never thought about it like that. Like that was an interesting interaction to have with someone. So again, like knowing kind of where you sit in the, the pecking order, so to speak, if you want to put it that way, um, the, the culture in Hawaii is very strong. It's very friendly, but there's also a very big level of respect that you have to have for your environment, the people, family, um, especially the ocean. So I think that's a big component over there. But if you want to kind of boil it back to like how you operate here in the Northeast versus Florida versus California. Um, you know, I think it's just being open-minded, you know, and doing a little bit of research before you get down there and just being kind of asking questions, you know, yeah. like don't, don't be the person that just sits on the boat and just does nothing. Right. Participate, I think yeah. is the biggest takeaway. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, 
no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. How how would you gain the respect of a captain you didn't know um, without sounding like a know-it-all? I mean, you've got yeah. a boat. Yep. You've got some experience. And the first thing you do is walk or call that guy up and say, yeah, I got a boat up. I got a... <laughs> a 60 foot boat or whatever you you've got you've got some experience and i got a podcast and i do this and this is what i do for a career how do you how do you um and i'm not an arrogant individual um you can come off for sure as pretty arrogant by being straightforward with that but um how would someone like myself who i'm an outdoorsman i'm a sportsman but i don't have the experience on the ocean at all i mean i'm mm-hmm. this is probably my fourth time out in the ocean um how do i gain that respect that i'm here to have a great time with you as well not just it's it's about hanging out with you and not just the fish how do i gain that yeah. that sort of respect yeah so i think from your perspective like what you've been doing is the right way to go about it right you reached out to a friend right you reached out to me you're like hey zach what what is the what's the deal here right and then hopefully that friend would then connect you with someone that you've already kind of built this level of trust just by mentioning hey i know zach um you know i'm a i'm a western hunter uh i don't really know a whole lot about fishing but you know i'm not i'm not just a guy who wants to come out there and get the good old-fashioned tour like i'm a hunter i like getting my hands dirty what would you suggest I do? You know, I think that question right there, what would you suggest I do, opens it up into a way that it's kind of like, huh, okay, this guy knows enough to ask, but doesn't want to get too far into it to be like, hey, I know exactly what to do, right? Because now now you're just asking a question that whether or not he provides you the right answer that you might may or may already know, may or may not already know, at least you're getting his opinion, you know? So I think I would probably put it in a way where you're searching for opinions rather than answers, you know? So, Hey man, what's like, what kind of tackle do you suggest you use like this time of year? If you're looking for a guide in the keys for tarpon. And if he says, yeah, you know, I like the fish like tackle. I'm like, Oh, cool. All right. Well, yeah, I th- I'm thinking about coming down to the keys. Like, you know, would you be interested in booking a charter? Right. So kind of, almost be a little bit more investigative in how you're questioning versus hi, I'm Zach and I have a boat and I have a hundred ton captain's license and I've <laughs> lived in Hawaii, California, and Florida, and I know how to drive boats and I drive 60 foot boats all day long. I want to get a charter. It's like, okay, you sound like an asshole first, right? Yep. Um, but you know, let me kind of take it back a little bit. Like, hey man, I run boats up in Florida, up in Rhode Island, I'm coming down. I did this the other day. I'm coming down to South Carolina. I want to rent a boat. Um, wondering what you would suggest, right? That's a much more like less invasive yeah. form of question and like conversation starter versus like, hey, I know everything. Take me fishing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. the captain's going to be like, I don't want to take that guy fishing. <laughs> you know? Or like, if we are, it's going to be so quick. <laughs> yeah, like get their it, fish in and out and work for a tip and be done. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, um, again, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and that just makes me think of another thing. The what I absolutely can't stand on some of those boats is is the uh, 
the folks that are working for a tip, like they're just, they lay it out there that I am working for a tip. Um, And, and instead of, and I suppose it's just not, they don't know me. They're not going to trust me, but Mm -hmm. um, I've tipped the captains that I've been on very well. Cause I I asked the captain and said, what would make this first mate's day? Like what's, what, what is that? Like, okay, good. And I said, is 30 percent you know 10 20 30 percent what's that percentage that just would make his day and and i've used that before as a as a thing but i i didn't want to be encouraged to do that let me make mm. that decision and like sure. i want I, I i've been on those big head boats like you said been on one of those where it was just let me bait your hook don't forget to tip bait your hook don't forget tip it's like yeah dude we're just fishing right now let's right let's not worry about that right now mm-hmm. and maybe that's just that boat and they're really struggling with knowing how to they're not entertaining there they're not connecting with their passengers they don't know how to work it's like a server they don't have they don't right. know how to how to wait tables serve tables like like someone that's good at it but right um yeah i i I guess there's no question there. It's just, I hate with hate being pressured to tip. I will, tip. Mm-hmm. I will absolutely yeah. tip. Oh, I get it. I'm, I, I hate being pressured into any sort of thing. Like don't, I'm either going to do it or I'm not right. Like no hard, like don't pressure me hard sales thing. It's not like I, I, I've worked and live and still work in the sales world, so to speak, as you're always having to sell yourself. But pressuring someone to like buy, 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 or tip, 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 really uncomfortable for me at least. And it sounds like it is for you as well. Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of, there's a few frames of thought there, right? Like it's super dependent on the boat, right? A head boat, their demographic or their audience is people that typically don't go fishing. So for them, they have to miss set up precedence for that to right. be known, right? Like it can't just be the, you know, the sign on the side, like gratuity is appreciated, you know, 20%, blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of people, and then not for nothing, but you also have a lot of different ethnicities and different cultures that tipping might not be a part of that. Like if you go in Europe, go to yeah. the restaurant, tipping's not a thing. And that's why when a lot of Europeans come over here and they're at a restaurant, maybe servicing isn't that great because they know they're not going to get a tip. You know, so that's also kind of a mindset that you kind of have to understand. It's yeah. like not everyone, you know, you might be because, you know, like, all right, obviously I'm going to tip these guys well. Right. Because they they work pretty hard and, you know, they're that's just part of the culture of what you do in the guiding world. Um, and it's also different. Right. If, if you're going to tip differently on a head boat than you would if you're on a guy's boat for literally four hours and it's just you and him all day. Right. Because, again, you kind of want to build that relationship with that guy so that you're coming back to him for year after year after year after year. Right. And that experience becomes better and better because you're forming that bond and that relationship. You know, like before I really got before I got my license, we would go out with this company called Big Game, which I you know suggested to you. And I know those guys, the Bacon Brothers and Famous um, pretty well now. But we would always make sure that we tipped them well and we we had a relationship with those guys and they kind of almost became friends, right? Friendly, right? 
So yeah, tipping is kind of a weird thing, but um, it's standard in the industry. And it really comes down to, I think the culture of the boat and the company that you're working with also the situation, right? Head boat versus, you know, personalized charter and the guy themselves, right? Are they going to work the extra mile? Are they going to make sure you're good to go? Or are they just going to be like, treat you like someone else that's just plopped on the boat, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something that you should do. And if you really like the guide and you want to come back to them year after year, tip them really well. Cause you, they will definitely remember you. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. And yeah. the, you see the recommendation, like a, the one I was looking at the other day, I thought it's just said 10, 15%, but mm-hmm. looking at that, I see, okay, that's a 1500, $1,600 charter. That's 160 bucks. That doesn't seem like very much. Right. Yeah. I mean, 20% and- is pretty, pretty standard. 20 percent is pretty standard. Yeah, that's what typically. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, of the the gross cost of the trip. Yeah, cool. Yeah, all right. Figure I'd cover that because some people that's a common question among big guided hunts and guided fishing trips across the board is is what's the standard? What do people prefer? Yeah, um, and then also, and not to, I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off real quick, but like giving the guide some of the catch too is part of you oh. know, and some okay and on some boats is part of that now some boats they don't let you keep any of the catch some boats let you keep some of it like there's it's all boat to boat person to person but you know i know that when we went tuna fishing we would always give um the guys part of the catch because it's just kind of like you know hey they're and if and if they're also a boat that commercially tuna fishes and you're just kind of along for the ride and they're going to go sell the catch after Again, it's all really kind of dependent. And that's, again, interviewing, giving questions, asking about, you know, what the program is, is all things that you're going to get and be able to understand a little bit more about what kind of trip and where it is and how it's going to operate will end up being. Yeah. Um, Let's end with uh, maybe a experience or two you had that uh, um, think back to a charter or whatever maybe just some guys on a boat, but someone when tell me about a time when there was some folks that you didn't really know on the boat and it was just the best trip. Like not, mm. not just you and your buddies. I don't want to experience yeah, you yeah. And your buddies, but um, whether that was a charter or someone that you didn't know, whether you didn't know the captain or you didn't know um, the other folks who were in the six pack. Uh, but what was, what was one of those experiences that was just lights out and what made it that? Hmm. Well, I, I think, um, you know, I do a lot of private clients and for me, I'm like, a, I'm a lifelong learner. Like I'm always the student white belt mentality. Like that's just kind of who I am as a person. And I think if you ask anyone, they're like, Zach's always interviewing people, you know, it's just, I'm sure you do the same thing, Clint. Like you have a podcast, you kind of get into that mode where you're like, what makes that person tick? Like what makes that 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 uh what makes them successful right yeah so i think uh recently i'll do a recent one because this year um you know i got to experience i did a lot of deliveries a lot of charters and probably the most to date um within my own business not working for someone else and you know one of the dupont family members um had me move his boat and he went along for the ride Uh, up to Boston. And it was, 
a trip that started out a little bit rocky, um, both in weather and just in the kind of the vibe that I was getting from him. And I think a lot of that probably had to do with his last name, just because I think people tend to treat wealthier individuals a little bit differently when they know that they probably have more money than anyone else that you know, mm -hmm. right? Um, but once we kind of broke through the ice and really got talking, he was probably one of the kindest and nicest people I've ever met and just an awesome individual. And I find that a lot of my clients are that way. And because I deal with a lot of high net worth individuals, you know, what's interesting is, and I can really just sum it up in one, one experience is, you know, one of the DuPont, you know, Mr. DuPont, he was just, he offered uh, me a sandwich and I was like, oh, well, that was nice. I appreciate that. He goes, yeah, you know, my wife made my favorite sandwich, peanut butter and jelly. And I go, huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like PB and J's too. You know, he's, he's like, got more money than <laughs> most people. More, need. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that the DuPont family name is worth billions of dollars, you yeah. know, if not more, I mean, literally started portions of the country, you know, like we're talking American royalty at this point. I mean, right up there with Carnegie and Rockefeller and, and um, you know, uh, Vanderbilt, right? All those names, DuPont, right? Created gunpowder and uh, TNT. So for a family that literally shaped the, how the United States operates today and be able to talk with someone who's within one to two degrees of separation of that and who, who went off and started his own company that was incredibly successful um, was really interesting to be around and just a wealth of information and knowledge and wanted to share. So I think that was probably one of the most uh, impactful experiences that I've had recently. I know that probably didn't go into like, oh, the guy had like a, you know, missing leg and we got him in the water or something crazy like that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, learning most, learning about how people got to where they were on the boat that, that they're on, you know, because again, you're moving high net worth individuals with high net worth assets. And you're like, huh, I wonder what got them ticking, you know? And yeah, most of the time I've only had one person that wasn't very open or forthcoming, not that they should be, you know, but, um, having conversation with those types of people opens your eyes and you're like, wow, they're just really good, wholehearted people at the end yeah. of the day. They just love being on the water just as much as you do. Yeah. It, whether you get a high end I'll call him a high end or well-known, yeah, yeah. well-known person on a podcast that, that gets your heart kind of thumping like, Oh, I'm talking to this person right now. Sure. Sure. <laughs> or, uh, I got to take, uh, our governor out on a fly fishing oh, very trip cool. the other day. So me and Miss Christy Nome went and, very uh, cool. I was teaching her to, to fly fish and it was basically one-on-one, -on -one, uh, or two-on-one, but I had a, another guy there that was be much better fly fisherman than I am. <laughs> it's just that was my position to um take her out and and uh um show her great experience, help her catch some fish. And it was I was thinking, what am I gonna what do you ask people like that? What do you ask? Yeah. And, and so it was my my it was difficult for me, but yet just wanted to ask these these great questions or just questions that is yeah, I know a lot more about you than you know me. And right. I, and I don't want to be weird, but I just want to get to know who you are. And yeah. 
that's a my boss put it to me the other day very well when talking about having a conversation with someone. I don't remember the full context, but she's like, you interview people all the time. That shouldn't be that hard. And it's like, you know what? I should probably approach more conversations with people just like my interviews. Why why yeah. would I not? And and I think people would be much more receptive to um chatting with me or getting to know or just in a conversation if I'm asking them about them. And because right. because I'm a little bit of an I'm definitely an introvert and struggle to have open conversations with with people I don't know because because I don't want to start the conversation. That's what an introvert does. <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, um but she had mentioned that I was like, oh, you know, I can do that. I can ask inquisitive questions. I can ask yeah. simple questions that, that help me get to know you and them. So that was a good piece of advice I got the other day. And um, basically what you're saying here too, I wrote that, yeah. that down uh, with the charter captain and asking some of these questions, how do you operate? What do you, what are you using for tackle? What do you, um, what's a day look like when we're trying to target one thing and we're going to switch to another. And some of these questions I can just ask. And um, I try, I, Tried to do that with a salty captain once. It was it was just like two word answers, and I and like, buddy, I'm trying here, right. <laughs> trying to have a but, conversation. But to put to, put to that point, right? That guy. Now you're like, I don't want to go with that guy. No, right? Yeah, because he's like, I don't want to be on a boat with someone that has two word qu- answers for every freaking question I get, yeah. and it's just going to be a quiet charter where all we're doing is catching fish and that's it like yeah. or if we catch any fish you know um versus the guy that's enthusiastic and like yeah we do this we do that if it's this day if it's this weather if it's this well like he's got a plan for everything and he'll tell you when he's like yeah i don't know we'll figure it out you know like that's the guy you want to be with you know that's the guy that gets the blood pumping yeah um but i'm curious so what did the your your conversation with the governor what was that what was that like Oh, was I, it like friends and family? Like, you know, hire kids or was it more like, so what's your take on this? Like, what do you think? Oh, she asked me, um, uh, asked me about my kids and asked me, um, about certain programs that I run in work and, and said, just, I could tell she was kind of curious about some of the demographics coming into our state and, um, asked, uh, um, I asked her a lot about just some of her background and, and because she's, she's a rancher and a pheasant hunter used to run an outfit. And I asked her what, if she missed any of that. And, mm-hmm. um, we just kind of went back and forth with some of that. A lot of the, the fishing technique, um, it, not just like talking about life, but talking about the fishing technique as well. And, um, we just discussed some of the philosophies with what I'm doing at work and, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And she was, she was very, Oh, um, crazy thing is I was coming back from Colorado on an elk hunt and she was going to Colorado on an elk hunt and I'm in the Wheatland, Wyoming, in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And I go into the use of bathroom and I come out and she's there standing there going to go no into shit. the bathroom. This is like two months before the fishing trip. And That's too funny. And I said, Miss no, Governor, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hi. Uh, I, I work for you. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And, uh, um, told her, said, I'll be, 
hey, I'll be taking you on a fishing trip here pretty soon. She's like, oh, you're going to be doing that. So we had a really good start to conversations. We talked elk hunting sure. like crazy. That was, a, That's that was awesome. the main thing. And that that helped a lot, having something to, where do I, where do I start with? It's like, not yeah. just, okay, Mr. Owner of Home Depot, we're going to see you Home Depot. Uh, we're gonna talk about lumber. <laughs> yeah, right, I mean, we, right, right, right. We had a we had a thing there to talk about that was elk hunting. So we talked a lot sure. of elk hunting and um that she loves archery elk hunting and why and and that sort of thing. So that was good. That was our that's our that's main pretty thing. cool. So very yeah. similar what you said was is finding that thing you can connect with them on, doing that homework. Um I was trying to do my homework ahead of time. I was like, I know my my one piece, elk hunting. That's what I, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we're going to connect on. So it was, that yeah. was good. And, and to her, to her, um, a fact, like, you know, got, there's a, I heard this quote, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it basically came down to some of the best interviewers or, or smartest people are the ones that ask you all the questions, right. Mm-hmm. And they get as much information in, and even though you think that you're talking to them, they're really getting as much information out of you as you of them. Right. And it's a two way street. Right. Mm. And one person that does that really, really well is Warren Buffett. Right. And that's why he is who he is. Right. And there was this one person who went, and this is just like a side story, but um, went to have dinner with Warren Buffett. And they're thinking, what questions am I going to ask Warren Buffett? Right. One of the best prolific investors in the whole world. And he left dinner. He's like, I didn't get one question. And the guy asked me all the questions like about, about him. And he's like, what do I have to offer? Right. But meanwhile, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, asking those questions are going to be the ones that really get you the answers that you want to hear. Right. Whether you're like, okay, check the box. I already know that. Or, Ooh, that's a good idea. Or yeah. All right. I could deal without it. You know, like good, bad, or indifferent. Those questions are going to get you wherever you want to go. And it sounds like the governor kind of knew that, right? Because she's over here interviewing you just as much as you're like, oh, shit, what do I ask the governor? Like, yeah. she already knows. Like, she's handled it, you know? Yeah. That's why she's the governor. Yeah. 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 And, and then she did, went out of her way. I'm. She had her aides help do this, but went out of her way. And her, her photographer had a great picture of me and the other guy with her and a fish. So that's cool. She, she sent it, signed it, wrote a little, little thank you um actually she didn't need to do that like that was a very genuine thank nice thing to do <laughs> and it's like oh sweet now i got this cool eight and a half by 11 print of yeah uh with fall colors beautiful yellow aspen birch leaves Dude. in the back just gorgeous Dude, absolutely she, gorgeous. That. she oh. knew exactly <laughs> what she was doing the whole time that's yeah. i love that like <laughs> I, that just like lights me up because it's the people that go like the extra mile that you wouldn't even think about. Like, I'm going to have my photographer come and shoot this guy. And this guy is going to be like, when it comes time for voting season, be like, oh, let me, I, I got, I, he's, I got him. I got some space yeah. in his head now, you know, yeah. like, but she did it with such authenticity and genuinely. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know, I know nothing about her from a policy standpoint, but yeah. Um, Sounds like if she likes the outdoors, that she's pretty cool then. Oh, she shot like she shot a giant bull in New Mexico this year, and then mm-hmm. she shot a, a bull in Colorado with her bow. That was just she's a, a badass. A, yeah, she shot that thing. I asked her, I was like, 
because I saw the video and it said that was like how far was that? She's like it was about forty yards or so. It's like that's a great shot. And I asked, how did, how did you how did you find time to practice? Where did you practice? It's like well, Matthews hooked me up with this bow like a week before. I was out on the lawn at four a.m. every morning. Just like that's awesome. Shooting my bow I was like dang lady she's a stud <laughs> yeah and and i had heard her on uh um field ethos their podcast okay. uh, yeah I, had, I love that show. I, she was on there so i had something to talk to her about on that saying hey i heard you on on this and that helped like i didn't really know her background mm-hmm. um really fascinating story about just having a death tax in her family just almost mm-hmm take the family farm and how that kind of drove her from being a, a farmer rancher to I got to do something about this. So I'm going to Washington, yeah. um, getting voted in to go do that. And, and then taking care of that and then coming now just running our state like a champ. So, yeah, um, that's awesome. But yeah. yeah I mean, it's pretty cool. I think any politician that has an appreciation for the outdoors is um, automatically there's this feeling of they believe in what the United States was built on, you know, and, and just tradition and um, protecting something, right? Because, you know, if they love the outdoors, truly, then they are more inclined to protect it at, at you know, at whatever cost, you know, and we have this great episode of dropping because we don't drop shows at the same rate we do um, that we used to. But it's with this guy by the name of Jeffrey Walker. And he is one of the last duck call and decoy makers in uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts. And he, his his son, Josh Walker, who I'm friends with, he owns a company called 1620 Workwear. So I don't know if you've ever heard of that company, but it's a workwear brand. And we got hooked up, went to the decoy shop, did it in the shop. The dude is like a just grizzled like in the best way possible like white beard awesome like just very picture like massachusetts outdoorsman right it's him he could be on like a filson's advertising and he talks about you know how being an outdoorsman and being a hunter and a fisherman is so important to him but really in order to invoke change he got into politics you know because that's how you can move the needle, right? Is getting policies put in place and um, putting things in in place to then help, you know, push the ideology of conservation forward. So really interesting episode that we're excited to yeah. kind of put together and a lot of different, you know, things that we talked about today would probably be, you know, in, in there as well. well. Very cool. Hey, last question for you um, hey, as we kind of sign off. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say, but, I really struggle with seasickness and this, <laughs> uh, this last, I mean, I I've tried to do stuff and this time I'm going to go to my doctor and say, what do you got? Give me, give me yeah. the triple dose of everything. Uh-huh. Um, what do you got for me to, be- and I'm wondering if it's something that you just never can get over. It's like, is it, I, I, I don't, I, I, I have no way to, condition myself for such a yeah, thing true. i can't i can't work out to get better at it it's right. just the reality so i can't i i can't am i am i weak because <laughs> i because i, no, not I got all. a weak stomach but 
I, yeah. I can't, I can't do anything about it, but boy, am I still there, um, fishing away. And I say, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back at it. And, That's funny. and so I got to I deal with it, but I, man, I got to get something better. What's the, what have you done with folks that just can't keep their cookies? Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you, like, what have you done in the past? Uh, Dramamine and uh, doing it before, or like the night before, and then taking it day of. Yeah. Uh, that was not enough. So really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Huh. So, yeah. I mean, that's usually my go to um, recommendation because a lot of people will take it like right before the trip. But by the time your body, um, by the time it even hits your body, like you're already too far into being seasick and then at yeah. that point it's, it's a waste right yeah so yeah i would probably definitely do the non-drowsy for those listening because the non-drowsy and you still will get somewhat drowsy but the regular dramamine will put you on your ass if it's yeah if, really? if you're affected by that oh yeah, yeah. like because before i've really started working on the water heavily um we would go fishing and I would get seasick. Not anymore, but um, a lot of it also has to do with your ears, right? Your inner ear is what's controlling your balance. So there might be something there that you have to go get checked out. So I'd probably go to your ear, nose, and throat doctor, your ENT, um, and see what he has to say. Because your regular doctor is not going to have any, unless he was a prior ear, nose, and throat doctor, right? Um, but that your inner ears and your nasal passages are going to be the number one things to whether you're acclimating to pressure. So like you're going yeah. spearfishing in Hawaii. So definitely get, you know, some sort of, um, that checked out. And then they're going to have the best recommendations from a doctor's perspective regarding seasickness. Cause it's all it comes down to your inner, all, all in your inner ear. And I come from a family with my dad has really bad ears. I have bad ears. But what's funny is my dad and I don't suffer from seasickness and my mom, and my brother do. So it's also, I think, genetic. But my my recommendation is usually Dramamine night before and then take one early because you're usually starting early in the morning, early, early in the morning. Right. Don't don't load up on a big breakfast. Right. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, digestion as well. And if you can go without a little bit, not only will it help if you have to go over the side, but I really do believe it kind of helps from the body's perspective to just have a settled stomach, right? Because if you're not used to all that motion, everything in your stomach's churning, it kind of goes up into your throat and then you kind of have this nausea feeling. So if you can kind of prevent that nauseating feeling, I think that helps a lot. Um, and then ginger, you ever eat ginger chews? No? All right. So ginger chews, um, I'll send you a link on Amazon, but they're, it comes in a green bag. It has like this ginger cartoon character on it. And I, and like back when I was getting seasick or even now, like if I'm going on a plane and I start to kind of feel nauseous because the air is dry and gross, pop some of those, settles your stomach right down. Um, so anything that's going to cool. settle your stomach down is usually going to be a, a plus. Um, and then pack a lunch that is simple, you know, like turkey and cheese sandwich, like, yep. and don't drink alcohol. Oh, yeah. and I can't, I can't do it. 
Yeah, no. Because <laughs> there's guys that'll drink beer and liquor. I'm like, I can't do that. I don't know yeah. how they do that. I don't either. And it's not from a safety standpoint. I think it's like eight times. Basically, if you have one beer, it's as if you had like two or three, right? Um, also, uh, something that I've noticed is depending on what kind of boat you're going to be on will also determine how you feel throughout the day, right? So inboard diesels, they're going to produce a lot of smoke, well, not a lot, but exhaust. And a lot of times those fumes are kind of noxious and they kind of make you feel kind of crappy. Um, now I've been accustomed to it as I run, as I've been running boats for a long time, but for people that aren't, you know, you might want to go with a boat that has outboards because it's quieter, less vibration, less, uh, smell, um, carbon monoxide. A lot of times will accumulate in the, in the, in the stern of a boat. So it's a, if it's a boat that is only been able, if you're only able to sit and fish the stern of, right. That might be, if you're really, really, um, sensitive to being seasick, that might be a boat that you might want to pass on. And you might want to go with a boat that's like a center console, where if you're starting to feel seasick and, uh, this year I had a, one of my good friends on the boat and then he had some of his friends from out of town who had never been on a boat before. So we attempted to go fishing and immediately one of them, I could look over. I'm like, how you feeling there, Brent? And he goes, uh, I'm like, all right, lines up everybody. Not worth it. Like, cause we weren't really going fishing. We were more so just going for a boat ride. And if we yeah. caught a fish, it would have been fun. Um, so I'm like, dude, sit in the bow, all the air you can get. Right. And just hang out. And then just, we just started moving the boat, you know? So if you do get seasick, go to the bow, get air, you know, if it's rough out, you're going to want to be in the stern because that's where the most comfortable part of the boat is. If you're in the bow, you're just going to be pounding away if it's rough. Um, but air and, um, you know, you, you want to stay hydrated throughout the day. So those are my, I know I threw a lot out at, at nope, you. That's, that's the best answer I've ever got on that question. <laughs> I, didn't uh, well, any, I didn't know anything about ginger chews. I didn't know anything about, I didn't think about the, the motor and being, yeah. a, I mean, that's things that makes, seems like common sense, but, um, I yeah, wouldn't and, well, I mean, it's it's from years of having been seasick and knowing what helps me. And then also, you know, knowing like my mom seasick all the time. Right. But we just got to keep the boat moving. You know, we yeah. can't go bottom fishing with with Carol. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. We can't. Running, gunning, stripers on a nice calm day. Perfect. But bottom fishing with mom, it's not going to work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say those are probably the best bets and then also tell your captain be like dude i'm gonna be fine but just know that i tend to get seasick and then they might have suggestions for you but um yeah staying hydrated making sure you don't have a ton of food in your stomach the night before but you ate a lot the day before i'm, I'm sorry the night of the day of but the night before eat right yeah um clean not not like fried junk um I don't know. I eat bananas. I know bananas are like a ooh superstitious, right? Hmm. But that potassium is going to give you enough, you know, in your blood sugar to kind of level you out. So that's what I got for you. Well, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can hear it, but it sounds like there's 
like a tornado going on up there. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but I can't I, hear anything. Oh, no. good, good. Cause they're at a, uh, not in my house. I'm in my parents' house right now. This is not my, <laughs> not my office. And, uh, um, just like you, you got done with Christmas recently. I still have a house full of, uh, family and, uh, um, but glad we got to chat about this a little bit and get an idea of where to start. And hopefully that helps some guys, uh, think about off season, um, fishing or, you know, booking some stuff in the fall. I mean, we're, we're mostly, a lot of our guys are doing some hunting in the fall, but making room for some of those fall charters and, and things are, it sounds like that's the time to be fishing, but, uh, uh fall fish in new England's the best. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And if people want to check out podcasts, want to check out, uh, anything you got to offer, where do they do that at? Yeah, I mean, Instagram is just at along the keel, A-L-O-N-G, and then the keel, double E. Um, and then you can shoot me an email, Zach at along the keel.com. I'm more than happy to send you in the right direction on whether it's boating education, connecting with guides, fishermen, you know, fishing questions, what have you. And then uh, I think my number's on there too. So give me a ring, shoot me a text. I'm open. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, Zach. Yeah. And, and thanks for jumping on and even communicating with me on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I, I didn't want to bug you on <laughs> Christmas Day. So thanks so, so much nah, for not at all. setting that up and great chatting with you. Uh, and we'll get this published here soon. Right on. Love it. Thanks, Clint. You bet. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.